Hello, and welcome to You Should See the Other Guy, the podcast where we watch a romantic movie and tell you why whoever picked a partner picked poorly. I am Jennifer. I am Samantha. And I'm Sadie. I wish one of us had a bell right now. Anyway, this week we are, is this our first Hallmark movie we've ever done on the podcast? Actually? I think so. We are broaching new Hallmark territory. We are ringing bells and crossing lines. We're storming the beach of Hallmark Normandy. Uh, <laughs> not good in metaphors today. In Normandy. Um, yeah, so we are covering the Hallmark movie Every Time a Bell Rings, which came out this year and it features a lesbian. Oh my God. <laughs> Finally, in 2021, <laughs> I'm actually unsure if there have been queer characters in the past. Um, but this is one that stuck out to me. I saw some, you know, I'm very easily swayed by TikTok. And so I was on TikTok and I saw someone made a video about this movie. And I was like, we should do that on the podcast. So here we are. I forced my <laughs> fellow co-hosts to watch it. That, um, that's how Sadie talks when she's not on air, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you just call her on the phone or she sends you a voice message on Instagram, that's Sadie's real voice. This if is it's her not- Preface by ahem, then it's a real voice. Why are we bullying Sadie today? Is it because of the sisterly vibe on this movie? I call. I'm sure. I call red sweater. Oh, you got red sweater. I'm. I have to be green then because Sadie. I'm not taking that weird shade of yellow. Sadie, yellow sweater. Sadie, tell us what happens in every time the the best ending. So I get the, I get the shitty yellow sweater and then you shit all over the way I talk. I see how it is. Anyway. No, no, no. I will not cede the floor. It is now time for my summary. And I'm going to do kind of a quicker summary today because uh, truly, if you've seen one Hallmark movie, you have seen them all. Uh, so Every Time a Bell Rings is about three adopted sisters who were very close as children growing up uh, in a riverside town, Natchez, Mississippi, which is a real place. I looked it up. Uh, I do wonder if the writer is from there because it is very Natchez uh, forward. <laughs> it's very focused on the city, um, <laughs> which is kind of odd when it's like a real place that exists. So I just wonder what kind of propaganda is going on there. But anyway, um, the sisters, they grow up, they love their parents, they especially love their dad, who uh, was a woodworker, but they grow really distant after his death. And I can't remember how uh, recent his death was, but it was several years prior to the events of the movie. Um, And of course, the plot is sparked when all three sisters head home for Christmas. And I believe it's the first time they're uh, heading home for Christmas after the death of their dad. So I will now introduce to you the three sisters. Uh, firstly, there's the lesbian, Nora, whose business failed. <laughs> and so she moved back home. I don't remember what her business is or really much about Nora. Um, she's the only one living in Natchez currently. Then there's Emily. Uh, she's the middle daughter, Bay Area girl boss, startup tech queen. <laughs> um, and she's towing along her doting husband, Paul, who is very hot, by the way. I feel like Emily and Paul were the hottest people in this movie. They were so hot. Um, and then finally, there was the Agreed. eldest 
daughter, Charlotte. She is a cool girl nomad with a project management type job that I did not understand and also way too many fake freckles. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I was so hyper fixated on her freckles. I was like, girl, girl, there's too many. <laughs> Um, so there are four plot points, which is extremely ambitious considering this movie was only one hour and 24 minutes long. Number one, Nora falls for Maisie, who is a newcomer in town with some of the driest dialogue I've ever heard, <laughs> like unseasoned, <laughs> unsalted turkey baked in the oven for eight hours dry. Plot point two, Paul wants to start having children with Emily, the tech girl boss, but she is not sure that she's, she's not sure if she's ready. And then Charlotte wants to, so this is plot point three, Charlotte wants to meet her birth parent while also juggling a long-standing will-they-won't-they with the girl's childhood best friend turned town musician, Liam. And then for the final plot point, there is a mysterious scavenger hunt that the women go on left behind by their late dad to find the family heirloom bell. So that's it. That's the plot. I mean, obviously, I don't have to say that everything works out and ends up great. So that's the plot. Take it away. What did we think of this film? <laughs> they, f they find the bell. Uh, every couple reaches an understanding slash gets together. The mom is unveiled as the engineer of the scavenger hunt. And mm -hmm. then the dad comes back to life through holiday ma magic. <laughs> and they all sing uh, a song together. Charlotte uh, makes that out last with part the is Liam guy. And I can't I believe you would lie to our I heard listeners, correctly. <laughs> <laughs> about such sacred topics as Hallmark uh, Christmas rom-coms, too. I violated their trust forever, I'm sure. So what did we yeah. think? Jen, I'm, did sure, both I'm sure Liam is a, cl a classic small-town uh, <laughs> Southern archetype. I'm sure there's Ooh. just hundreds of eligible <laughs> men just like Liam who, you know, just spend their time going around doing handyman projects and have no problematic or suspect political views at all. <laughs> and... <laughs> His uh, name, I am pretty certain that I heard at one point, that, because she said his full name to him at the end, right? Was Liam Marlborough. He did an <laughs> awful lot of favors for the mayor. Oh. Like, that was pretty much his job, actually. So I really do suspect the worst about Liam's political leanings. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to broadly stereotype, right? But uh, all of these movies have long presented the fantasy. This is my long way of reacting, Sadie, but they they present the fantasy of like the guy who's always been at your hometown and you left it to go follow your feminine ambitions, God forbid. And he's just been there the whole time being absolutely decent. And maybe before the mask got ripped off American politics, that was a nice fantasy to have. But I feel like it's inherently kind of a little suspect now. Yeah, yeah. like the likelihood of that happening... <laughs> Is too much, like perfectly serviceable to look at, I'm sure, but no, 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 not in Notches, Mississippi. He should have been like, I'm building a stage for JFK Jr. when he returns so that he can speak to us on the town square. <laughs> 
so that he may proselytize his ideas. (laughs) He should have been manufacturing those fake masks that anti-maskers wear that, like, don't actually have any filtration, but look like they're masks to the untrained eye. Like, uh, these should have been some of his projects. Do you want to know something funny? Yes. At my local grocery uh, store. I spent, like, two months straight cyberbullying the people on Etsy who made those fake face masks and i don't think i was very successful but i did have fun and in the end that's what really matters (laughs) sadie that is delightful (laughs) jen what did you think of every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings i hated every second of it (laughs) (laughs) all right coming out swinging I tried not to. I know it's a genre thing. It like has to hew to its conventions. I'm sure it succeeded marvelously. Um, but I, I just don't know if I feel qualified to objectively speak on this movie. <laughs> I see. I mean, <laughs> I'll come back to something Sadie brought up, which was the amount of writing about Natchez was like, it was, it was bold. It was risky. It was, it was kind of a Doritos level move <laughs> in terms of <laughs> spiciness. I mean, this is something I thought about a lot while writing my book which was kind of like semi-based on a real location, but I gave it a different name and made it worse and renamed a bunch of stuff of like, if I was going to make terrible stuff happen on this island, I didn't want it to have the same name as its, you know, spiritual inspiration. Um, so I, I, I don't know. And I feel like that's a very common move of like, well, let me make up a town that's very similar to the town I want to set this in. But no, this movie just fucking went for it. It was sponsored by the Natchez Local Tourism Board, it felt like. in my favorite moment of the whole movie, our poor girl, and I kept forgetting what her character name was supposed to be. I guess they dropped it at the beginning, but as Sadie uh, has enlightened me since, Maisie, when Nora... Our blonde gay sister goes <laughs> to surprise her new crush with a gift on Christmas Day. It is literally a, a <laughs> Mississippi keychain. And then desperately, the actor who plays Maisie tries to put like a little spice I in her eyes and like goes in for the makeout. Out loud. <laughs> I would have beat the shit out of someone who I was flirting with to give me a keychain on Christmas morning? Absolutely not. Was it made out Don't of plastic? Was it plastic? It, uh, they it made not- a thing about it being like that she knew the artist, it was homemade, but like what? Like, was it supposed to be a, ceramic? You own a freaking wood shop. Your family has a wood shop. Give her like, I don't know, a Natchez plaque. Also, no one in this town has real estate that isn't on the Mississippi River, apparently. <laughs> like anytime they go to someone's house or they sit down, there is always a view out the window of the river. So... In my mind's eye, the town is arrayed in just a vertical line uh, for 30 (laughs) miles along the river. Wow. At one point, they searched a riverboat. This was my first viewing of a Hallmark movie this year. Oh, Jen, the riverboat. Don't get me started. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> this was my first viewing of a Hallmark movie this year. And um, every year I forget the specific way in which they are created. And it is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, people like to say that like the Netflix originals are like the like Netflix Christmas ones, like Princess Switch and all of that, that they are like they're exactly like Hallmark. They're not. These people are blinded. They are fools and they do not understand the genre the way that I do <laughs> because the Hallmark ones are literally made on like a $20 and a quarter budget and like a couple of boiled peanuts. Like that is the budget. (laughs) And they all feel like the physical embodiment of those books that you sometimes wade through in the romance section of like a grocery store that it's like the 800th book that has been created by this that author this year and it's like harlequin number 9084 <laughs> and it's like billionaire cowboy blues and it's like a really badly photoshopped <laughs> cover and like the book itself could like fit into like your front pocket like it's so small that is the book equivalent to a Hallmark movie with that being said I was compelled by some of the performances namely that of Emily's actress and Maisie's actress And also, I found Emily's relationship with Paul to be a really progressive plot point in, you know, Hallmark, which is generally a very, uh, more for a conservative audience. So the idea of not only a lesbian, (laughs) wow, but also a woman who does not know if she wants children and her partner is fine with that and supports it. And there's never like... At the end of the film, she's like, oh, actually, I do want children, blah, blah, blah. Um, It's just... I was scared, but they didn't do that. Yeah. They get a point for that for sure. Maybe, dot, dot, dot. We (laughs) We won't piss off our audience too much by closing the door entirely. Yeah, Sadie, I I mean, this is proof that Antifa has taken over Hallmark, you know? Like, lesbians, interracial couples. (laughs) Wow. America really is... (laughs) Okay, going down the toilet, right? Following the makeout after the gift of the keychain, the best scene in the movie is when Paul it was not a makeout out of no like he's Jen, like cooking. Let's be serious. With the, well, for a Hallmark movie, come on, like that was more makeout than any other kiss that happened in this movie. Fair. Wait, when the lesbians touched foreheads, or when? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That still that was still hotter than her puckering up her lips and. Pressing them to Liam Marlborough's mouth. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. But no, the actual probably most attractive thing that happened in the movie was when Paul, who is like a chef, I guess, he's a baker. What he does mm-hmm. something, he makes food. And he's like making bread with the mother, and he just puts on out of nowhere like a perfect Bob Ross impersonation, like talking about the bread as a metaphor about life. That was the I best really- part. <laughs> I really liked Paul. Um, Also, can we talk about Paul's snowflake pancakes? Because when I first saw them before they were announced, I was like, is this man making sugar cookies in a a saute pan? Like... (laughs) 
what is going on here? Because they did not look pancake batter-esque. They just kind of looked like star-shaped cookies that they threw onto the pan for, I don't know, effect. Yeah. And then- Truly a bizarre choice. uh, That was almost, I ended up, I made my recording name today, listeners, the Natchez keychain, because that's, I just could not go for that. Oh, you going to pick Snowflake Pancakes? My second choice was Snowflake Pancake. (laughs) It sounds like an old-timey, condescending thing that, you know, Humphrey Bogart would call a woman in a film noir. You know, come here, Snowflake Pancakes, take a note. (laughs) (laughs) Hold my call, Snowflake Pancakes. Um, okay, well, I guess I this is unprecedentedly early for me to come out with another guy, but since we brought him up, I really <laughs> want <laughs> Paul to be with their mom. Um, they get along <laughs> oh! so well. They they bake together. They talk She's together single. at a deeper emotional level than he's capable <laughs> of doing with his own wife. Uh, her husband is long dead in a freak bell making accident, presumably, <laughs> and the, the, the it's all runway as far as I'm concerned. I um, mean, Emily, you is know she'd like, be down to adopt disdainful more kids. of Paul at best, mostly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She would start a new family with Paul, and Paul would love it. He would be like, I don't care about getting anyone pregnant. It's just kids, more kids through any means necessary. And if I have to marry your mom to do it, I will. Damn, that could have been the twist at the end. But then it takes us from Hallmark to like lifetime territory, right? Yeah. Ah, Like I brought my husband home and he fell in love with my mom. Uh, but um, I guess I'm. A, w- was I alone on the Paul and Mom train? They no, I think that's chemistry. genius. I fully also, support it. They, they have the most like, chemistry of any couple in the film. Oh yeah, they spent the most time together. Also, like it was kind of like weird. <laughs> and okay, like the truly, sisters come back to, from the scavenger hunt, and then they're I like, have, "That's the big twist at the end." It's like the mom and Paul announce that they're in love after all this time. <laughs> Yeah, the end of the scavenger hunt is just them making out under the tree. (laughs) Ring a bell and get your wish. (laughs) I have to get off my chest. Truly, like, did either of you also agree with me that the dialogue between the lesbians and also Nora as a character in general... So fucking dry. I was watching it and I was like, what is happening? This is like, I, (laughs) I truly could not have cared less about Charlotte and Liam's romantic subplot. I was still like, at least this dialogue is kind of snappy and like has an attempt at being like clever or more a bit like how humans would talk. But I kept putting myself in Maisie's shoes and I'm like, there is nothing that would draw me to Nora. Like absolutely nothing yeah like the conversations that they were having in the like craft store i was like what the fuck their flirtation was like exchanging nora was gay life details (laughs) yeah yeah They were just like, what is your age, sex, and location? Tell me your occupation. How long have you lived in Natchez? Boom, we're in love. 
<laughs> like they didn't have any spark or back and forth or anything. Yeah, Sadie, I agree with you there. I feel like Maisie came because I think Maisie was supposed to like live in New Orleans or something. She came home to stay with her mom for Christmas and she thought she was going to get like a nice little Christmas week hookup out of it. But instead, she ended up with some chick who gave her a keychain and touched her foreheads <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. Sadie, did we t- did you mention the whole like a bi- bio- biological mother um uh plot line with, Oh yeah, uh, Allison. Briefly. Yeah, you um Yeah. She did the meet number her of times the phrase mom. biological mother was uh said in this film quite a lot. I point, suppose the context demanded it, but it's still, you know, a big movie, phrase for an actor to chew on. Like really I don't know how it was some kind of achievement that they did here because as Sadie also previously mentioned, this was only an hour and 24 minutes long. And yet this felt like the longest fucking movie of all time. And at the point when the Charlotte character was talking to her biological mom, Allison and doing the weird, uh, like their whole conversation about adoption that seemed like a very like codedly pro-life thing without actually saying it. It felt longer than anything else. Also, the biological mom was like Pete Davidson in the OK sketches on SNL, where like Allison would keep calling her and be like, I want to do Christmas with you. And she'd be like, OK. And Allison would call and be like, I'm not sure whether I want to do Christmas with you. OK, I don't <laughs> want to do Christmas with you anymore. OK, like there was no like... <laughs> There was no emotional turmoil at all. But I suppose that's lifetime territory of the biological mom uh, going going crazy and trying to sabotage your Christmas with your wholesome adopted family or something. So, Sadie, you have the most familiarity with Hallmark movies, Hallmark Christmas movies of any of us. Like, can you explain that is not to a, me a responsibility what the intended that I, that I demographic lately. is here? <laughs> I so is this like fantasy material for people who are like the age of the mom figure who want to fantasize about their adult daughters like getting their lives together like with as actual like little conflict as possible and I'd say I, like the age what is the, happening the age demographic is probably like 35 to 60 and let me disclaim here 35 for straight women very different than my lovely queer friends who are in their 30s that are in this room right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, you know, you know, like a 35 year old straight woman from Missouri, very different, very different, and very into these types of Hallmark movies, and genuinely find them very romantic. Um, the same way that like, Holy shit. well, this one's a little bit different, because it does feature things that would probably, quote unquote, like turn off like a lot of like, hardcore Midwestern Christian women. But in general, also the overlap of women who love those like Amish paperback romances and people who love (laughs) the Hallmark Christmas movies, like unironically, like not thinking that they're bad, but genuinely think that they're cute is a circle. And then also my mom is also there. (laughs) (laughs) 
your mom has a very uh, a broad range of tastes. She loves a lot of things. She does. If she is watching a romance, it has to end happy or she will beat me up like physically. It has to. <laughs> she and she does not she does not play around with fantasy at all. If you as soon as someone gets magical powers or is a superhero, ew, absolutely not turn it off. But gritty serial killer Russian dramas turn that shit on and turn it up. <laughs> she she loves a good shitty rom-com between two straight white people from their hometown, like Hallmark movie all the way. And also like any type of serial killer, hardcore gritty drama, Bollywood movies. And that's it. <laughs> Oh, Bollywood, the wild card here. (laughs) I feel like really gruesome true crime also is something that is popular with a lot of women who are into Hallmark style movies. It's very extreme, right? It's like you want to be simultaneously told the world is a terrible, awful, fallen place full of like murder and crime. And then you also want to be told... Uh, my adult daughters can still, you know, be financially stable and upwardly mobile in under the current capitalist regime. Like it's totally feasible to be, you know. Oh damn! A tech now that and- was a telling scene when in the restaurant between the sisters Nora and Emily, the one that was had a failed business and was currently unemployed with like no prospects for future employment mm-hmm. yet lined up, was fighting to pay the check. It was like, wow, now here is the fantasy of Hallmark. Like, where does, what money do you have, girl, girl? Like, let your girl boss, like, San Francisco tech sister cover the cherry pie. (laughs) Also, apparently, you can just make a killing opening any sort of dessert-themed business in this this town, you know, like a... The I'm little so hot glad cocoa you place that, up as that well. Charmaine works at, which is like, <laughs> yeah, it's a perfectly fine name. I think generally you want to choose like short one syllable names for like addressing characters who are seen once and then like never again, you know? Um, <laughs> that was one of my first <laughs> moments. <laughs> Charmaine. Like, no, okay. Hello, Sadie. Bartholomew. May I have a hot cocoa? <laughs> we never see Bartholomew again. <laughs> Cornelius, bring me a cookie. <laughs> My Uber driver, Chrysanthemum, so- drove off with it. <laughs> no way that took it too far i would not be surprised if a background character was named chrysanthemum in this movie but i would be surprised if this universe allowed uber to exist in natchez mississippi at christmas time my biological mom (laughs) onomatopoeia wants me to go on a drive with her on christmas no a biological mom has to have a way more plant she was just allison because we can't have her be too wild otherwise but her name should just be like bitch you know lean into the demonization of of women who don't fulfill their motherhood destiny they should just fully 
dehumanize her. Like at one, they showed them having, and I, I find it like it's interesting because a lot of, uh, you know, maybe a Netflix movie often will show like a character drinking alcohol to the point that it's like, whoa, this is a serious problem. But it's kind of played for like normal or for laughs there. Whereas this was a very dry movie. Um, I think there were the wine glasses in one scene that I noticed. But so is like all the dessert, is that supposed to like stand in for, uh, you know? Yeah, because wasn't he literally drunk on hot cocoa, right? (laughs) Yes. They were like, did you go get a nightcap? And he was like, no, I just had one too many peppermint (laughs) mochas. He's like, what is that? (laughs) What is the implication of that? Uh, yeah, but they've got to have some libidinal uh, undercurrent, you know? And so it's just dessert and country music, baby. Good old fashioned. Uh, <laughs> I did like the song. I liked the Notches Mississippi song. The lip syncing, not great, but I did enjoy the music itself. Yeah. It wasn't a terrible song. And I thought it was better when the women sang it than when they had Liam Marlborough's voice doing it solo over the credits in spite of their truly appalling lip syncing skills. I'm trying to think of of what else I hated this, about this. Did a train this. just pull into the station I, over there? <laughs> I think Hannah dropped some food. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> brief brief digression. Oh God, uh, Sadie lives you. in a Christmas movie because <laughs> every time I've talked to Sadie off podcast, it's been like, I'm going with Hannah to the Christmas tree market to get peanut brittle or like... <laughs> I'm I'm going to the toy shop to hear a reading of The Night Before Christmas. And it's like, (laughs) I'm convinced now Sadie lives inside one of these movies. I, do you want to hear the um, tragic end to my peanut brittle saga? That was real, by the way, dear listener. Um, <laughs> so I double checked the Christmas tree farm and they, for some goddamn reason, decided to swap out the peanut brittle with a selection of, of jarred nuts, cozy nuts. <gasps> and I was like, fuck you. What? And so then I called my local candy shop called the candy factory, um, which hand makes all of their um, wares. And I call them and I'm like, hello, do you have any peanut brittle? The woman cuts me off and she says, ma'am, we will not have any more peanut brittle until Christmas, until after Christmas. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, oh there's a girl. peanut brittle shortage. I just know the peanut brittle community the plot, has been banging Sadie. down the door of the candy factory for weeks now. To have a peanut brittle shortage in Missouri is a level five disaster. <laughs> and we are currently in one. At Christmas time. Yeah. If you want to win a presidential primary in Missouri, you have to win the peanut brittle <laughs> demographic. <laughs> to, be, to be peanut the brittle-less in the heartland is a death sentence. <laughs> and I can't, there's no peanut brittle to be had. None of the Christmas tree farms have them. Oh, anyway. Damn. I'm experiencing a trauma. <laughs> Our thoughts are with you during this difficult time. Thank you. Sadie, I wanted I'm to ask, have you to- seen the, have you seen the Lifetime movie, A Deadly Adoption? <laughs> 
This is my recommendation in oh, lieu no. of watching a, a, a Hallmark or a Lifetime movie this holiday. So a this is a 2015 adoption? Lifetime movie. Uh-huh. It stars Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig on Lifetime. They did, I think, like pretty minimal press around it. And it just kind of showed up on Lifetime one day. And <laughs> they're playing it. They're playing it with like slight parody satire edge in their performance. But all of the other like character actors and bit players in it are playing it entirely straight. And it's like a classic lifetime plot of like uh, Will Ferrell plays some author. I believe he's like a financial guru. And and then they have a what? surrogate who they decide to have live with them, and then she turns oh, no. out to be evil. Um, so, <laughs> but like <laughs> Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig are, um, yeah, they they're like kind of making fun of the genre, and then like the sheriff and everybody else are like acting like this is a very serious piece of <laughs> dramatic fiction. Um, it's it's worth a watch on Lifetime. I'm already obsessed with this <laughs> as a palate cleanser for the wholesomeness we just had to, to be subjected to <laughs> i think one of my favorite parts of it is they have like um will ferrell's agent like you know calling him and begging him for pages or something in that way that like agents do in the movies <laughs> but like in real life they like don't like, really do like, you know well fuck you you didn't like come through on your contractual obligation i guess you're fired like, <laughs> yeah, instead of just like checking in, <laughs> concerned checking emails, it's calling and being like, baby, baby, we got to get the publisher more pages, baby. You're my money maker, never Christmas. forget that. <laughs> uh, like, and I think he's like, he has traumatic flashbacks to his book tour days where he's just like sleeping with like young, <laughs> younger women, like constantly. And he's like a, like a financial financial savings like guide which is really funny <laughs> anyway highly recommended uh for a lifetime fix with a twist this holiday season and i'm sorry i weirdly derailed us but sadie i sensed you had more to say about every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings um is that really the small full title that i was no it is not <laughs> Samantha's just doing it to us. Every time, a, I was going to say every time an angel rings, every time an angel dies, a bell is found. Um, um, one thing I hated was the, like, the costuming in this movie, because it's like, if you're going to go so hard for Natchez, Mississippi, please dress your characters how they would dress if they were in Natchez, Mississippi. Like, I understand that literally every single Christmas movie on Hallmark has to feature a gray pea coat and a bright red scarf. I understand. But maybe they don't have to do that. Because they literally go on and on about how like, this is Southern, there's no, it's like hot here, there's no snow, etc, etc. And then they turn around and they're, they're like, bundled up like they're in a Chicago winter. <laughs> <laughs> like turtlenecks under two sweaters. Yes, it bothered me. There's a real opportunity here for a Hallmark Christmas movie parody. And I'm wondering if that's happened.
happened yet of like the characters are literally wearing four sweaters or like double fisting hot cocos with candy canes sticking out of them. You know, like I feel like you could make a good one of these. Netflix can do it uh, with an equally small budget as the movies themselves receive, I'm sure. (laughs) It can be called Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. We love Christmas. I just um, home for Christmas. (laughs) Tried to type for Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. (laughs) I just attempted to type the letter, the number three, the num with instead of the e, the number four, Christmas five. (laughs) That's my that's my title. It's simultaneously its own movie and the third, fourth, and fifth entries in the franchise. It pays for itself. (laughs) Yes, they can do it all with product placement for uh, not just Mississippi or some other small towns can line up for the Hallmark treatment after this movie. Oh, that's what she was. Okay. I was trying to look up the IMDb so I could see what I recognized um, the Charlotte actor from. And it was one of the Resident Evil movies. But when I was attempting to type the title into Google to bring it up, I accidentally typed every time a bell wrongs and oh that's like the hitchcock version of this (laughs) where we find out the dad was actually murdered instead of dying of indeterminate illness that we don't want to specify because that would be too sad it was liam marlborough i'm i guarantee it there is something sinister about that man (laughs) the dad was getting too close to the mayor and liam wants to succeed him one day so had to off the competition preemptively had to go and then he's gonna marry his oldest daughter yeah oh that's like especially sinister marry the daughter of the man you killed yes i love it (laughs) you know um wait did you guys hear i did have myself muted (laughs) once again (laughs) um did you guys hear where i said (laughs) i think the dad would be a murderer and then the scavenger hunt is them trying to find out where he buried all the bodies oh shit and then a little um, saw uh (laughs) (laughs) crossover (laughs) Mr. Policeman Officer, I left you all the clues. (laughs) I read three daughters. I left you all the um, clues. On R, I read this fucked up thing on R No Sleep like back years ago about uh, some. It was like way too long and rambling, like most things on there are. But there was like murdered people put into a little woodwork puppet thing, or I think they were still alive when they got attached to the puppets, and then like running through the the woodwork clock killed them. Like mom herself, that was a little bit sinister. She unveils this like moving woodwork thing at the end and i wouldn't be surprised if like an enemy was somehow a component of that piece now what does it say about us that we just want to take this perfectly wholesome movie and make it uh make it dark and scary and full of murder well i think that we are trying to justify the dark and scary feelings that this movie already elicits within us or that is my reaction <laughs> this aggressively wholesome uh it, vibe to the whole movie is really oppressive and frightening and i think there's just it's easy to read sinister motives into it i mean even like so obviously i've been bumping some christmas playlists around recently while i'm 
cleaning house and stuff. And like, what the fuck is, I mean, I know what the fuck is up, like, but this is some, like, it's all got to be capitalism's fault somehow. This like weird propaganda in our Christmas songs over and over telling us that it is the most wonderful time of the year when midwinter is typically not most people's most wonderful mental health time of the year, especially when you have like a lot of social and familial obligations and, uh, you know, religious stress on top of it. I find myself have I said this on the podcast, kind of disliking most holidays, the older I get, I still like Halloween, Mm -hmm. because you just watch movies. And there's no generally no like dinner or like massive expectation of family gathering involved. Um, But like, I don't know, the older I get, the more I'm like, is Starbucks gonna be open today or not? (laughs) (laughs) That's where I'm at with like most federal holidays. I love my family and I love seeing and spending time with them. And Jen, usually it's okay. I this prefer is a safe space. <laughs> to do so at non-holiday times of the year, you know? Like it's kind of its own celebratory thing anyway when you get to hang out with the family, but it just gets really strange for everybody when there's sort of like outside cultural expectations lumped in. Anyway, actually though, those outside cultural expectations, since my father is a professional Santa Claus now, he typically is far too busy throughout the Christmas season for us to see him anyway until New Year's. So, Oh, that's a great premise (laughs) for a Hallmark movie. Dad, you're too busy being Santa to actually spend time with us at Christmas. You're so into Christmas, you're missing the true meaning of Christmas. (laughs) And at the end of the movie, he, you know, hangs up his Santa hat and rips off his beard (laughs) in one fell swoop. Or he can dramatically shave it off in a cracked mirror. Horror territory again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The beard is is attached to his face. (laughs) You shave it off looking in a dirty sink and uh, punch the mirror and then scream at his uh, (laughs) fractured reflection. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) That should have been a scene in The Santa Claus when (laughs) Tim, what's his name, was turning into Santa. Sadie, now that your brain has baked more, do you too find yourself weirdly, uh, weirdly exhausted by the concept of a federal holiday? I or are you still just in the throes of peanut brittle fairy tale land? <laughs> now, um, relate any related family members? I doubt that you will listen to this, but if you do, log off. <laughs> I kid. Um, <laughs> I, to be completely honest, I love like the vibes of Christmas and I love having Christmas with my parents and like with my friends, but it's always such a stressful time because my family, my extended family are really weird about Christmas and they're also kind of awful and homophobic and I don't like them. And so I, it's, I always have to put so much mental brain power into how I can weasel out of the Christmas slash New Year's party every single year. But I still have to get them all presents and they have to be up to my mom's standards or she will slit my throat in the night. And it's very stressful. (laughs) (laughs) Again, because our our parents coming through with inspiration Here's a good <laughs> Christmas Lifetime movie here. If Christmas isn't perfect, Sadie. 
I know. I end up having to buy like nine or 10 presents for people that I don't see. <laughs> it's stressful. Oh, and it's I'm so too, I don't make enough money and, for that. Oh, same girl. And always I take a money hit anyway around Christmas because I take some time off over the Christmas holiday. So I'm not going to get paid for all of that time <laughs> like I would in a typical, you know, so it's just difficult to deplete the well while knowing that it is not going to be fully replenished until February. Yeah, <laughs> Emotionally I and am, financially. <laughs> I currently am mostly a contract laborer as well. And so while I, it's fun for the company to be closed for two weeks, it also means uh, I don't get money again until like February. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's that's always fun. Yeah, I mean, damn. Maybe that was like some of Emily's problem why she was frantically working in the closet and stuff on whatever her girl boss startup business was. She's definitely Let's already stressed about finances <laughs> next about what year. her business is. Is she doing an MLM or is I it think legitimate? It's Gojo. The age old question. <laughs> Succession you think it's type. Gojo from Succession? <laughs> Rise up. She, yeah. she works for Gojo. <laughs> I love the thought of. <laughs> Every time a bell rings taking place in the same universe. And maybe the sequel can be about who is going to take over the wood shop and the daughters can all <laughs> buy for it and tell each other to uh, F off just constantly. Have How far did you done... get into succession, Jen? Oh, I was on, I watched two episodes and then I tapped back out again. But I did read some more summaries of the episodes. So I'm a little bit more caught up there. <sighs> Jen, do you ever tire of reading Wikipedia summaries for pieces of media you have not and never will ingest? Like, <laughs> What Not is yet. the point? <laughs> <laughs> What's the um, point? It feels like it Samantha, satisfies it my curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> in a way that, like, am I going to sit there for an hour and watch the whole show only to feel depressed and have my emotions stirred up by fictional, terrible people who... I would despise and never want to interact with in my own real life? Or could I take five minutes to read that Wikipedia summary and then feel like I'm caught up on what's going on? Yeah, but then what's <laughs> the point of being caught up? You know, is it just so that you can like have context for what people are saying on on the internet.com? Or is no, it just a greater peace more, of mind and sense of personal morbid security? curiosity. Yeah, like um, that I like to read the summaries of horror movies as well. So that like the, the you know, the outlines of the monster in the dark feel known to me without actually having to look at it myself. That's, that's poetic. Look, this Hallmark movie is inspiring <laughs> poetry. How bad can it be, you know? <laughs> So have they ever done a succession Christmas special? I don't think that is has there been a Christmas? I wish. No. The idea of of Christmas is too warm for succession, but I think that there's a lot that they could mine. But also they're so dysfunctional every episode that usually Christmas episodes are like when you see dysfunction happening on a show. So I just don't know how much how much it's worth. Um you know, and also I was thinking a little bit about Ted Lasso and its Christmas episode. And I just wanted to ask uh, you, Samantha, what you thought of it. Uh, I fell off three episodes into the second season. Um, <gasps> and I've, I've been talking with podcast listener Sharon about this as well, because she was an enormous Ted Lasso season one fan and then found herself like me a little disappointed by season two, where it 
I don't know, like it felt it felt a little disconnected to me, like they lose their primary sponsor in one episode. And then the very next episode, instead of the team being in like financial crisis, they're just like, oh, everything's fine. You know, it felt a little bit too like hunky dory for me in places. And maybe I just hit a threshold because the first season had a lot of sweetness as well. But I don't know, the first season went to some some interesting emotional places. Interesting. I, I We're just now completely separate from the Hallmark movie that we had started talking about, but I ended up enjoying <laughs> Our audience two. will probably, frankly, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I ended up because enjoying I've, season I, This two is one of those more. movies that we're doing, but no one else should really watch, probably. This is true. Yeah. What we've talked about but you with liked this movie it better? is all you need to know. I did. I did like it better because I thought that in season one, it was all about like Ted is this impenetrable wall of kind. And this is not to say, I mean, Ted Lasso season one, I've probably watched it like 500 times and I love it. But what I loved about season two was that it shows that like sometimes being upbeat is like we had in really intense discussions around like therapy and Ted having severe trauma with his dad and all of these people kind of having to work on their issues internally with themselves and with a therapist. Because just having one person, Ted, be like, yeah, go, go, like in a lot of like sports movies and stuff, which I do love sports movies. I watch a lot of them. Um, it's still it's it's unrealistic. And so I loved that. And also, I loved the Christmas episode. I think that people really were like shitting on it because they were just like, it just felt like it was just like not connected to anything, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you don't understand how retroactively written to fill an episode order from Apple. Yeah. It it was that one and also the beard episode. But I liked having a break. I felt like it needed it. And also I enjoy having an episode that I can come back to again and again. And it doesn't really connect to the other much more heavy things that are happening in the in the season. Because I don't know, I felt like the emotions were so much more at stake than like the physical stuff. So like their place in the um, FIC or I don't know what it's called, but like the 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 um, organization of soccer people um, and like the Premier League. Yeah, whatever, whatever. (laughs) What's the FIC? They should have named themselves organization of soccer people. I would understand that. But um, here's my favorite soccer fan is a a soccer fact is a semi fan of uh, our local soccer team, the Seattle Sounders. European players retire by coming and playing in the American Pro League. So like when they get like old and tired, they're like, I will go to America and play five years of my worst soccer and it will still be better than any American soccer player. It's pretty incredible. Do they have to adjust to calling it soccer instead of football at that point? Uh, Is that the price? (laughs) Yeah, they have to get the word soccer tattooed on their bodies uh nexium style while the president of the mls laughs 
Isn't that even what David Beckham did? Did he ever actually play in the United States or did he just come over here and own a team once he had retired? I'm not sure. I know like uh, Messi or whoever the one of the big soccer players is, is like planning to retire in Miami by playing on Miami's new uh, Major League Soccer team, which is a hilarious name, Major League Soccer. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> in Miami, that's the detail that took it over the edge for me. I don't know. Just I'm just imagining being on South Beach and like the male people you would see there and imagining like from that population, people plucked and put in to play a soccer game. Sadie, what else were you saying about Ted Lasso season two, though? I keep I, I derailed oh. us to talk about MLS, which is <laughs> seven steps afield of Hallmark. <laughs> Yeah, you actually circled it back to Hallmark. Um, but no, I I thought that the second half of season two, especially was very heavy. And like, I loved it. It was about like the characters and kind of like fostering something that you could build out into like many, many more seasons. Um, and yeah, it had a lot of like uncomfortable moments in it that I also enjoyed. So I think if you're ever aboard and potentially wanting to revisit it, I would give season two a chance again. Because I loved it. I have no notes. Um, I thought it was very, it still was very funny, but markedly more somber overall than season one. Like still hopeful, but intense shit. And I, I enjoyed it. Well, while we're issuing recommendations that are not this movie, in addition to a deadly adoption for a laugh, I will, I will give my wholehearted endorsement to a movie called Psycho Gorman, which you can watch on Shudder or Rent. It is like a throwback to late 80s, early 90s genre films you would find on VHS. And it's about two latchkey kids finding an ancient amulet buried in their backyard that allows them to control like the most evil creature in the universe. And uh, they force him to do their most childish and selfish impulses. <laughs> and, uh, and things evolve from there. And it is genuinely delightful. And I think a better Christmas movie than every time a what bell is it called? gets its wings. Psycho Gorman, which is the awesome like name Gorman. the kids decide to give. The, you know, he's like, I am like Gilgameth of Gigamax. And they're like, no, nah, you're Psycho I Gorman. See. Like, they just like... <laughs> Do a dance for us, you know, they like, yeah, they use him to like settle petty scores and, uh, you know, amuse themselves and um, maybe or maybe they maybe they become friends, even though all he wants to do is destroy the planet. Who knows? You'll have to watch maybe to find out. They might learn something about the power of love. Whoa, Jen. Did you see this movie? How did you know that? I have oh not. I have just a sense I have, Samantha. <laughs> I don't know. I will say that, so our regular listeners who have not yet joined the elite club of our Patreon supporters uh, may not know that we do a monthly special bonus episode for our supporters at a certain level who help us pay to stream all of these movies. And for the one we recorded this week, we talked about the reboot of Sex in the City titled And Just Like That. And I've got to say, that was a wild tonal shift, jumping 
from and just like that to every time a bell rings within days of each other. <laughs> oh yeah. Jen, did you watch the third episode today or Oh, I have not. I watched it I last not. night when it dropped at midnight. They definitely do the Jesus. child coming out is some kind of trans plot line and uh, They got there already? I thought that yeah, they were gonna they're moving wait fast. a couple more episodes. Damn and oh, also they're on that cocaine does, pace, like we uh, said. Gay stuff. Sort sort of All like right. a, a, the non-binary podcast host like shotguns a joint into her mouth or something like that. Like they really were like setting up the non-binary podcast host to be like a weed pusher. Nobody is that aggressive about wanting other people to smoke your expensive <laughs> weed. Yeah. Like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I fully expect uh, Carrie Bradshaw to come out as non-binary in the season finale. <laughs> uh, Sadie had an idea on our bonus episode that every episode should end with the death of an iconic character, and I now think that every episode should have a character come out as non-binary until there are no cis uh, characters left uh, in the Sex in the City universe. Damn, will we Charlotte Steve, be able we can see to Steve do exploring that? Or- genderless fashion you know <laughs> charlotte like famously in the original run gets dressed as a man by a fashion oh, photographer yeah. remember oh, and they, yeah. but i think she's like not into it when he tries to make it like sexy she's like yeah. no like this is too kinky for me uh yeah anyway sign up for our patreon if you want to hear that bonus discussion should we rate this film or are we just going to recommend other media in lieu of a score i think oh oh yeah i mean <laughs> our, i don't think our scores are gonna break two uh snowflake burnt I'll give snowflake it a pancakes out of five so <laughs> oh you took the natchez keychain sadie took the burnt snowflake pancakes oh what is left for me here damn i don't I know mean, nora's all... failed business that minute when they cracked the bell on the ground <laughs> a, cr- a cracked wishing bell i mean it wasn't execrable you know like it was perfectly watchable yeah. the reading has yeah. more to do with the constraints of its genre than like it being some truly terrible example of the form. It is I feel like, what it yes. says it is. Within you knew its what genre, I was when you picked me up, <laughs> is the snake said to the boy in the famous Mormon parable that three listeners will uh, understand. In all seriousness, though, I'd say that if you're hankering for a movie similar to this, but you want it to be maybe better than your standard Hallmark quality, I would just refer you to the family stone because this kind of has a very similar vibe to it the family stone is a bit more intense um is still gay not as gay um but on the whole probably will be a more mentally fulfilling experience the family stone has more gayness in its little finger than um than Every time the an angel family rings, Stone sacrificed its most explicit gayness for Mark Brandanowitz. <laughs> it threw Justice it all away. Justice for Mark Brandanowitz. <laughs> the Family Stone is awesome. We did an episode about it. If you're a new listener, go back and listen to it because it was a fun one. And Jen, what kind of baked debaucherous treats should people make for our little podcast this (laughs) holiday season 
What kind of Rob's specials should people oh, whip I up also like in their country kitchens? Wasn't Rob's special just like a typical order, but with, with an like extra scoop, scoop of ice cream? Ice cream. <laughs> That's not a special. There has to be cooking know, like, involved. Something else incorporated into it. You know, Charmaine was a good person for letting Rob be- and his family believe that was a special all these years. Yeah, if anything, it's the equivalent of like deluxe at a Northeastern diner where they like give you a slice of like an old tomato for your burger. You know, like <laughs> a special implies that some core constituent of the uh, of the entree has been changed in some fashion. It's not like add ice cream scoop. <laughs> Yeah, like 50 cents extra for a About as lazy as the keychain, I'd say, in terms of uh, narrative. (laughs) Damn, this family really keeps it 100. (laughs) Anyhow, you, our dearly beloved listeners at Christmas time, should also keep it 100 with us. And um, I forgot where I was going with that. If you listen to us on a platform where you can like leave a star rating, we would appreciate a big old five stars on top of that Christmas tree. I was hoping you would say on top of the... My (laughs) brain was itching and you just... You scratched it right up, Jen. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're, we are on a Christmas wavelength here on YSSCOG. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you should just make like us with Hallmark movies and cancel your seven-day free trial and not return to watch another one. And um, please just let our ratings stay nice. Uh <laughs> If you want to talk to us, um, we're on Twitter at YSSTOG. And you can write us long Christmas missives about your wishes for the coming year at YSSTOGpodcast at gmail.com. We do not check our email very often, but we will be delighted and entertained to find that we have a message there next time we check it. And uh, is there any other thing I'm supposed to say where people are supposed to contact us besides patreon.com slash YSSTOG And yeast hogs. We'll be leaving the yeast hogs in 2021. My New Year's resolution is to say yeast hog every day, every podcast recording. Samantha (laughs) rang the bell for yeast hog. It can't be unrung, baby. Some bells can't be, all bells can't be unrung. (laughs) What the hell am I talking about? That should have been the log, the tagline for this movie. Some bells can't be unrung. And it's just a picture of their father's tombstone. Oh, shit. Ahem. Sadie, do you want to do this one in your real voice rather than your stage voice? Oh, God. What was my real voice? I don't know. It's been so long. It might be disrespectful to our darling supporters if Sadie doesn't do it in the proper cadence. Like, I feel like the ritual will will not be complete. I I can do it. (laughs) I like to thank our lovely, wonderful Patreons, Logan, Logan Mannings, (laughs) Andrew, Althea, Xenalon, Sharon, Justin, Evan, Liz, Brittany, Ace, Mara, Raimi, The Void, Heartleaf, and Abe with T. I thank you all so much. And Merry Just, Christmas and, and Happy Holidays and all that stuff. <laughs> some bells can't. Ding dong. <laughs>